2 edition 103 of On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that couldn't raise its level to the podcast top flight if it tried. I'm Michael Bailey. I cover the Canaries for The Athletic. I hope you find... I hope this... I, did I do this last week? I, I think I did. I hope this... It's such a straightforward sentence, and I do sincerely mean it, that I hope this finds you safe and well. On the way, down, down, deeper and down... It's a status quo song. There's probably a status quo joke there to be made by someone, but I'm not making it right now. Uh, not such a Buendia. Definitely made that pun about eight times. And uh, there are still four games to play, which is more of a statement than anything. Uh, we will work through all that and more, and I hope the intro is suitably sombre yet entertaining. Um, with our guests this evening, uh, they are Norwich number one chief, uh, a.k.a. our very own Steve Sanders. Hi, Michael. Yes, I'm, I'm sure uh, our younger, the mo- younger members of our audience will be very entertained by your status quo references in the in the intro there. <laughs> Go check them out. <laughs> um, we also have uh, former Norwich City head of content and program editor and I'm sure huge status quo fan, uh, Dan Brigham. Hello, Michael. Um, yeah, I'd say a good three out of ten for status quo. <laughs> <laughs> That's more than I've, I've heard of them. Um, I've, I've listened to a couple of their records. I love that. Um, and uh, finally, <laughs> finally, we have our own Scottish maestro, commentator and journalist. It's Hodgie the Hack, a.k.a. Stuart Hodge. Hey, yes, Hodgie. also known by my real name. I was also being told that I couldn't unmute you. So I was like, is he going to unmute himself? And then thankfully you did. That's good. all right, mate. See, the thing is, I, I have a bit of StreamYard gizmo myself. So I just... Just put my, my toppings worth in here and there as and when it. necessary. Good man. Um, thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks for everyone who is watching live and listening um, for joining us uh, at this time. <laughs> is that the way to put it? <laughs> I think so. Um, it's a pleasure. Steve, how are you? Uh, fine. Phil, quite. It's, you know, it's, I, I didn't feel any different at the final whistle. I don't, we're not talking about the football yet, but I didn't feel any different at the final whistle <laughs> than I did before. So, um, yeah, still on an even keel, and it's been a nice bank holiday weekend, isn't it? So, can't complain. I love it. Well, well, good for you. I'm glad. I had a terrible night's sleep the last couple of nights' sleep. So, there's all the processing going on, maybe. Dan, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Michael. Good. I, I think I cheered myself up by watching Fulham just beat Luton 7 0, uh, which gave us. Uh, hopefully a nice glimmer of um, what it might be like in the championship game next season for a squad with a uh, with a team with a squad um, uh, at, like ours. But it also made me a little bit sad as well, because even if we do well next season, that means we're just back in the Premier League again and uh, rinse repeat. <laughs> Four, 42 <laughs> goals. Um, 43 now. 43, 43 is he? Guy Whittingham's record, didn't he? Oh, nice. David Marshall still saved his penalty to take us to the Euros, though. <laughs> if you're scottish there is a there is a silver lining and and obviously you know maybe the world cup because you Mate, it definitely... says everything it says everything that i'm clinging to silver linings with scotland well didn't kenny mclean score the penalty that sent you through as well yes he does indeed, come mate. on kenny 
Well, let's pray for his toe then. You're going to need to get those front pages in the Daily Record. Pray for Kenny's toe. It's all right. And Whenever it... I sell a story to the Daily Record, they take my bloody byline off it. So That's rude. <laughs> they'll, 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 be get, they'll be getting nothing more from me, I can assure you that. Do you, do, do you send them Hodgie the Hack or Stuart Hodge? Stuart Hodge on those okay. ones. But uh, what they do is they like write lies into your story and then okay. take the byline off oh. <laughs> Good right. sub-editing there. In your opinion. Let's move on. Um, I'm glad you're well, Stu, as he's drinking. Is I am brew. I'm brew. <laughs> no, Nothing I, I am brew. I am brew. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Um, let's crack on immediately. And I have written that down here as well. Uh, with this week's headline act. In the same way, you don't probably bother with game plans when you've already been relegated. I haven't really bothered with intros <laughs> to these segments. Um, but basically, there's only one place to start, obviously, which is that Norwich lost 2-0 at Aston Villa on uh, Saturday. Um, there was an entirely predictable, uh, predictable, uh, predictable Burnley comeback that um, uh, made sure that Norwich were then relegated Um I called it while it was while they were one 0 down at Watford. Um, so yeah, relegation confirmed with four games to go. Um, for those wondering, in two, 2020, uh, it was with three great with oh my gosh, I can't talk. It was with three games left. Um, so we'll look to the future in a little bit later on. Um, but first of all, I think we need to obviously rake over um, all of the season. <laughs> so, uh, but in probably about ten minutes, if we could. So, um, and and in a way that we haven't already done over the course of the season, Steve. So, if you want to start, what I would say, I, I, and I'll just get this out there. I've written a piece on the Athletic. It's about the season. Read it if you want. Um, I wrote it all. It took me months, obviously, and I was like, God, this is also obvious because everyone know, knows all this, and it's all been written down. And that hasn't been the reaction it's got, which I suppose surprised me because I. Just feel like we've said the same things all season. So, but, but here's a question, Michael. Right? Oh, did you yes, did you write this with a view to us being relegated ten months ago? Because if so, nobody'd be surprised and nobody would blame you. Well, uh, no, because uh, I would like to think I would have had it finished before two p.m. on Saturday, <laughs> and about <laughs> yeah. ten hours later than I'd promised it to everyone. Um, uh, you, are you like? Colleagues. Are you like when um, Boris Johnson used to be a, a columnist who used to write? One column for one position and the opposite column for the opposite position. Yeah. So, like back in back in August, were you writing something about staying up or getting into seventh, tackling the Europa League? <laughs> All right. Is that, four, is, that a, is that a piece that's never going to be filed? Four thousand words on survival that will never be seen. Yeah, you're right. Um, uh, no. You can maybe give them a Ross Kemp or something. Let's <laughs> yeah, see. Four thousand words on survival. Yeah, maybe Pete Rutzler for next season, who covers Fulham for for the Athletic. Um, uh, no, um, uh, obviously, what I mean is, you know, it's it's full of stuff you pick up for the whole year and and the whole season, obviously, and things like that. But uh, um, yeah, whatever the question was, Steve. Do you want to answer it? <laughs> What's the question? I mean, I can't remember. Jump to the why, 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 are we, why are we going down? Is that yeah, yeah, the season? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, would, I mean, to be honest, I'll, I'll cop out of giving a full answer and just say read Michael's piece. It's, uh, it, it, it pretty much covers everything. Um, and it's a it's a great reminder of just what uh, the, the the world's longest car crash this this season has been. Um, I think I, I guess if we if we're trying to bring it down to 10 minutes and I had to highlight something, I, I don't feel like I'm saying anything that hasn't been said before. Um, the summer transfer window may have been the worst in the history of the entire club. I was trying to think if we've ever had one worse. Maybe that one where Rhoda, um 
brought in <laughs> like a, a truckload of 18 year olds on loan uh, and we went down that season but um I'm just looking at the net. So we've, we've brought in 12 players for the first team squad. Uh, Christos Scholles, Milot Rashica, Josh Sargent, Ben Gibson, Dimi Anoulis, Angus Gunn, Ozan Kabak, Pialis Malou, Matthias Norman, Brandon Williams, Billy Gilmore. Has any of them had a good season? And that's Not one of million. them has been a success. Not yeah, one. And that's that's fifty-seven million pounds worth of player. Not, now, not I don't, one. I don't agree that that Buendia should not have been sold because I think there was a player that didn't want to play for us, and I think we've we've seen this season how damaging it can it can be to have a talented player on your books that that doesn't really want to play. Um, so that that money had to come in, but it was just spent horrendously badly. And not only was it spent on players that haven't performed, it was spent in areas that we didn't need. You know what we needed was. And it, all in your piece, Michael, top class centre half. Uh, Kabak may have been that person, but I think I remember saying at the time, you know, we've got there's a 21 year old that's been relegated twice. Is he going to come in and show up our defence? Not sure. Uh, a centre midfielder that could replace Ollie Skip. Gilmore was never going to be that player. Norman's not that player. And then a player who could replace Emmy Buendia. And that ain't going to be Josh Sargent. You know, it's, it's just, you can, you can stick him in that position. He's <laughs> not going to be Emmy Buendia. So um, I think we can boil it down onto all the things that have gone wrong off the pitch. But um, if you don't build a squad that's fit for the Premier League, um, particularly when you've lost your two best players from the previous season, you are done for. And it became apparent fairly quickly that that was the position that we were going to be in. And here we are, four games from the end, roughly. That's, I think, how you'd have expected it to turn out. And so it has. I suppose the interesting thing, Dan, is that Norwich changed their head coach in November because they were adamant that you know someone else could get more out of them um do you think it's fair that kind of proven between dean smith and daniel parker that that there wasn't much more anyone could have done with them i mean could have literally have appointed i don't know who's it like i don't know a magician of a of a, of a manager and it still would have been the same result yeah it's the old saying you can't polish a turd and <laughs> as much as i think i think all of us certainly thought it was time for farker to leave and i think we probably did need to find out whether another manager could get more out of that squad, and I think it was the right decision. But the season, the 32 games so far have proven that. I don't think many managers would have got out of it. I mean, maybe maybe if Adam Eder had stayed fit and we'd played two up front, as we did against Everton and Watford, and it looked like we'd sort of stumbled across a winning formula, maybe we might have um, had a late charge and given ourselves a decent chance of staying up. But really, how many teams would stay up with that midfield. I mean, you can talk about the back line and you can talk about um, up front, but without a good midfield in the Premier League, you're, you've got no chance. You know, you can have the nicest, uh, greatest, biggest bucket in the world, but if you've got a massive hole in it, like we have in central midfield, then you're struggling. And Lee Malou looks like a decent player, I think, across the season. Rupp, decent player, injured too often, obviously. Uh, Gilmore, probably a decent player. McLean, a good championship player. All of those players, and we've said it lots of times before, um, would probably work well as part of a three-man midfield if they were the only one and next to two others who are really good and a step up. And there's a bit of revision, revisionism with some people saying, well, we, fans didn't call out the fact we'd, made, we'd had a bad summer transfer window, which is um, nonsense on two levels. Eh? It's not the fans' job to know how good Charles is going to be or how good Elise Malou is going to be when you've not watched them play. It's You put your trust in the recruitment team. And B, I think it's probably fair to say nearly everyone was saying we needed a holding midfielder to come in. Uh, and the club obviously felt like they needed a holding midfielder to come in, as you wrote in your piece. 
Michael about Robert Andrich, who ended up going to Bayer Leverkusen and by all accounts tearing up trees there. He may have been the piece of the puzzle that we missed. And But, you know, Matthias Norman is not a holding midfielder. So we ended up buying someone or bringing in someone on loan. He wasn't even fit for that position. Um, and without that midfield, and I think a lot of us were saying it from the start, with a midfield lacking sort of authority uh, that Ollie Skip brought and the, and the way to win the back the ball and the way he read the game, the way he sort of calmly uh, regained possession and moved it on, um, then you know, with a bit of hindsight, we were always screwed without that kind of player in there. And it doesn't matter... How, uh, how you know, you, you know, we don't really know how good Rashica is. We don't really know how good like Dow could have been in the championship because our midfield was never setting up that attacking lineup as much as it should have done, and it also wasn't obviously giving enough protection to our back line as well. So it doesn't really matter who your defenders are when your midfield isn't good enough. It does. Sure. Um, so I'm just going to say, Stuart. I mean, it does strike me that it was. Ob- I, I'm pretty sure it was being said like last April, March, February. Certainly that, you know, what are you going to do without Ollie Skip? So it, it does strike me as everyone knew that was happening. I don't really can't get my head around how they didn't get that right. And even I, I would imagine they were planning. They knew that Emmy was probably going to be sold. I think that was the end. That was why they did it so quickly. So there's two things there and always well, comes sorry, back. If I can just say that's the one p- good piece of thing we did in the summer transfer windows. I mean, I don't think we should have sold one deer, but... Moving on early was yeah. great because it gave yeah. us time to plan, didn't it? it just We didn't use that time particularly well. It did. But again, how many promoted teams go up but lose their best player? I, I, and, and so you're already having to improve your team and then, you know, at least well, get it to the yeah. original level before first. It's but. interesting. Sorry. Just watch it, sorry, watching that Fulham game and seeing how good Fabio Carvalho is for them and, he, and he's off to Liverpool. So they're making the same mistake as we are. But selling I, their best yeah. player. I was wondering that. I was wondering if they might loan him back, but um, yeah, who, who knows? Uh, sorry, Stu. Um, no, it's all right, right. There's a lot of talk about individuals here, right? And we're talking about individual players, areas of the pitch, things like that. But the problem at Norwich City boils down to more than that. Like, I mean, it's not just individuals. There has been a total lack of any coherence with from one area of the club to another throughout every stage of the season from the very start of the summer. So you knew that Emmy Buendia was going, you knew that Ollie Skip was going, so there should be a succession place and plan for that in terms of recruitment, right? But you've got recruitment here, you've got the playing squad here and the style of play here, right? When Stuart Webber first came to the club, Daniel Farkas' first season, he bedded in. Second season, rampant, brilliant, great, title winning season. My favourite season as a club football fan, fantastic, right? At that point, Everything within the Norwich City operation was aligned. It was going in a singular direction. There was a sense of purpose and and everyone kind of going in the one direction. Now you look at Norwich City and it looks like this season there has been absolutely no sense of coherence between the playing style on one hand and the recruitment on the other. Because it looks like it's been trying to fit players in some way into a style that gets results. Daniel Farker, a bit like when Alex Neal's team got thumped and conceded loads of goals at Newcastle, he kind of lost the bottle to play his way. So he then became a manager trying to play in a different way with the squad of players he had. I would argue that Stuart Webber should have backed himself to get rid of Daniel Farker sooner. I think the first big mistake that was made, other than the recruitment in the summer window, which you could maybe have made work had there been more alignment in other areas of the club, because you can make groups of individuals work in a team if you have alignment. But there was no alignment. So what happened was he held on to Farka for too long, firstly. So that allowed a collective malaise to set in 
that when Dean Smith came in, he was hardly able to galvanise. And what Dean Smith's done is he's come in and there's been a few kind of fit start sputters, but the kind of results we've been getting have not been playing in the way that we were designed to think the Norwich City were going to play under Stuart Webber. It was done in a, a way where we were kind of sclaffing goals in and grinding out results and that kind of thing. From every stage of the process this season, nothing has been right at Norwich City in terms of things going in one direction. The messaging out of the club has been horrible at all the wrong times, from recent interviews given to you go back to the BK scandal, all of that kind of stuff. If you look at this whole season and you take into account all of the different things that have happened, it has been disastrous at every single chapter. And there has, there has to be someone takes account for that. And I actually think that the likes of yourself, Michael, and the rest of the collective media need to be asking harder questions. They need to go in and saying, what is happening here? Because it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable for this football I, club I, just to settle into this this pattern of yo-yoing and accepting that as as a given. And when the when it has been so badly managed throughout the entirety of the season, not just portions of the season, but the entire collective of the season, then you've got to say, come on, someone's got to be accountable here. And I'm hearing no voices going above the parapet. I can't believe you've thrown in the ask the hard questions. <laughs> Sorry, I thought this was a safe space. Um, okay, yeah, duly noted. Um, and I'm sure we'll get to speak to Stuart Weber at some point. I'm not entirely convinced it'll be immediately. But I well, really see, that in itself is not right. There should be someone at the club coming out and addressing it. So I'm no, I'm no, mate, I'm no, obviously, you're one of my good mates. I'm not going to go at you. But the point is, not enough has been done to hold these people to account. And that is partly because they are not making themselves available. There used to be this, that, that we, we were told that Norwich City were going to have open lines of communication and a dialogue with the fans. And what I've seen is, at various points, it's kind of fragmented. And I think the BK thing was the point at which I felt there was a clear divergence happened between people inside the club and the supporters. And since then, that alignment has not been there. That's it- alignment in terms of headspace, alignment in terms of the football, recruitment and playing style, completely disparate. Can I just add to that? As I was working at the club, obviously, in 17-18 when Weber and Farker um, had their first season together. And and this must apply to every single club when they talk about lines of communication. It's very easy when you're winning the title twice and they wear very open. And uh, Stuart Weber and Daniel Farker wear very generous um, with their time to not just uh, the local media, but um, also local fan groups as well. But even in 1718, when things were going badly, there were the lines of communication were poor and they shut up and they got paranoid. And I, I think that's just across the board in football. Um, it's not just at this football club. So it shouldn't really be any, any shock that the lines of communication have not been as good as they should be this season. Um, and the interesting thing is this relegation, there's... It's very different to the one two years ago. There's for so many different reasons around it in terms of the caveats and what have you. I mean, I I don't want to be revisionist, but I mean, I was thinking about it the other day. You know, I sat here lamenting it two years ago because Norwich kept taking the lead in games and then couldn't hold on, which is obviously one sort of issue. This team... I don't think it's done that once. <laughs> they, you know, they didn't have that. If they didn't, if they did, if they didn't, if they conceded, they didn't score. That was it. It was just like nothing there. When they got ahead, they were pretty good, but it was just so infrequent. 
I don't know which is the best out of that. I, I, I saw so much more identity and shape in terms of what Norwich was doing. Even if the players weren't potentially as good or they were hitting their ceiling, there was actually a lot more that you kind of understood about it. Whereas this is a mishmash. It's like, well, it's alignment. Well, it's a, I, it, I, think, I think what I've learned from this season is that the, the phrase in, in terms of being a football fan of it's the hope that kills you is a load of nonsense because hope is pretty much, you know, I'd rather go down with hope than I have this season, which has been pretty much throughout apathy. thinking, yeah, it, it's apathy. Um, Are we sure? Explain that word we... to Dean Smith. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, and I'm a, I'm a, you know, I, I think Smith absolutely should stay. I'll probably say it again before the end of this season. I've said it before. Um, but like, just I was just having a look before we came on at the, at the games under his management. And bear in mind, this is under a new management. And remember how bad it was under Daniel Farker, right? So his first two games was Southampton win, Wolves draw, not bad. And then since then, we've played 21 times. We've won three of those, all against teams whose performance was so bad, they deemed it <laughs> necessary to sack their manager. We've <laughs> drawn three against uh, a team that played for 18 minutes with 90, uh, sorry, 18 minutes with 10 men in Newcastle and two teams who missed penalties in Palace and Brighton. And then the other 15 games, we've lost 12 of them by more than a single goal. I mean, like, and that is under new management. And I don't blame Smith really in the slight, well, you know, obviously he has to take some accountability, but I mean, he never could have kept us up. It has been a total disaster of a season and just like every week has been depressing as a fan. And honestly, I, I think we'll come back next season and we'll be optimistic again. And I don't think it will be quite as bad as people are making out. But you can see why, you know, at least last time around, we had the semblance of the squad. And another thing, by the way, just quickly, because Dan was talking about the midfield. Um, I, I, I think I tweeted after in August that um, it was something like 67% of all the starts that our midfielders had made in the previous three seasons were either sold or loaned out in that window um, or released. And obviously then Cantwell leaves in January, so you're probably looking at over 70%. That's, that's the core <laughs> of the central part of your team and not only players who were central to the team, but probably characters as well in the dressing room. I think letting Stephen and Vrancic and Tetti all go in the same window, although they may not have been good enough for the league, I think maybe their presence in the dressing room was greater than we thought. I think that probably had a massive impact on the way things went as well. Yeah, I, I think that's mm. a really subtle point because to lose them all and just go, well, we'll just replace them and then not really having done that. Uh, I uh, think there was an element of that. And I was a little bit uneasy, but it's hard because you're a bit like, well, yeah, but then you are also relying on Alex Tetty in the Premier League and that doesn't strike me as ideal. And mm. everyone It's was a bit quite... culture though, isn't it? Like, because they, they're culture setters in a dressing room. And I think the players that have come in, like it's been a culture of losing that they've walked into. And that, that became far too acceptable for too long under Daniel Farker. As I say, I think we kept him too long. Um, and then... Obviously, we've replaced him with Dean Smith. So in January, you say, right, obviously, we, we put all our chips in in August. So the one card that you have to play, now, you don't know if there's a buyer there, but say that you could have flogged Max Aarons. That was the only card we had to play. You could have cashed in on him because there was cover it right back. If you could keep Byron fit, obviously, you can shift Brandon Williams over. There's a few options, few ways you can play it um, in order to do that. And then maybe spend that in another area of the pitch up front. Like that's the one card that you could potentially have played in January to try and back the manager. But the thing is, you're bringing in a manager to work with a squad of duds and a squad of duds that have got so used to losing that you can't lift them. 
So is it the quality of the players? Is it the quality of the culture? It can be all of those things. And when you actually add it all together, it's a cataclysmic disaster a season that has led to the point that you're getting into games completely devoid of hope, as you say, Steve. It's like there's not even any hope going into a game. You're going into it expecting to see the Groundhog Day of us getting beat and going down without a whimper. Without a whimper. Not even mm. one. I think with a game more to play. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what I would say is, but I think culture is slightly overrated. Actually, I don't. I think good cultures come from winning, and a lot of people who've been in sports say the best dressing rooms culture is because they keep winning games. Like the Norwich City's culture was excellent this time last year. It was outstanding because they were winning games. As soon as you start losing games, that's when little tensions arise. That's when everyone starts blaming someone else. That's when the manager gets looked at by the players. That's when the manager doesn't start believing the players. Is it not a club-wide thing, Dan, rather than I, just no, I, I, I mean, I've often thought, I just think it's it's something that's built out of success. It's, um, and then it just sort of evaporates as soon as the people on the pitch start losing games. I don't think a good culture comes before winning. I think winning comes and, and then brings in the good culture. I think it's that way around. Um, my uh, former colleague at the EDP, Paddy Davitt, um, wrote, I thought, a really astute line in a piece that he did over the last couple of days, which was that um, uh, Daniel Farker being sacked was the moment that the whole project over these first few years uh, had lost its purity. I thought that was astute because that was it, wasn't it? it was, everything was so idealistic in terms of what Norwich were doing. And then all of a sudden, not right, not, no question of it being right or wrong, but it was like, Bam, we need to stay up here. This this group of players need to be good enough. We've spent money. This is what we're going for now. So um I, I wonder what sort of effect that's had on the whole sort of atmosphere atmosphere in terms of where where we are now and the recriminations of it. Um and of course that made the contrast with being at Villa Park on Saturday um so interesting because I was in I was in that mix zone. I remember two years ago you had um I had Tim Crook, Tim Crew walking up to us, sort of swearing at us in a nice way because you know he called us something sweary um with a big smile on his face because he just won the title and Tamu Pookie had the golden boot and all this sort of thing. And then in this same room on Saturday, we had Grant Hanley who um yeah, it's it's hard to convey just how raw that was with him, but it you know, it, he's you know, he's a difficult man to question at the best of times and there was definitely that rawness there with him as well um so yeah i just thought um that would probably be worth uh, sharing as an insight but uh, i mean how predictable steve was it that it was, it was going to happen at, at villa park i mean at least emmy didn't score he only set it up <laughs> yeah it sort of felt inevitable didn't it um and well it didn't look like it was going to happen and then obviously quickly burnley did turn it around um yeah, I mean, I, I sort of in a way glad that it's, you know, we've got that closure now. Um, and if it was going to happen, it might as well have, have happened there. Um, it, like you say, the, the the kind of juxtaposition between that and three years ago when, um, you know, at the end of what was probably our best ever season that I can remember in my lifetime in terms of the entertainment value, it, it, it really did bring it home. Um, the performance itself was very much, yeah, was very norwich City 2021-22 um Brandon Williams chucked in as usual you know a few good marauding runs and looked maybe our biggest threat but also managed to uh, force one of their players off the pitch with a, an over exuberant tackle uh, slip on his ass to give them the first goal and then give away the ball for the second goal you know the guy who looks like he's trying the hardest but <laughs> simultaneously can't stop making mistakes um 
yeah, I think it and it, it even like the, when the second goal went in, you just kind of thought, well, yeah, that's, that's exactly what you expected to happen. So no surprises, and um, yeah, you know, it's a, not a great way to go down, but there's never going to be one, is there? So. <laughs> okay, get, getting away from the buzzword of culture. A few people mentioned in the comments about the recruitment and the people that we've lost. Um, you obviously Jones went to Crystal Palace. Uh, you had Kieran Scott went to Middlesbrough. Ben Kensel, for all what your role was titled at Norwich City, has gone on, and I'm pretty sure he's the chief executive, but acting as sporting director at Hibernian. Um, so from that, from that team that core team of recruitment staff that assembled the squad on um, for, so, for so little money in 1819 that got us up and, and won the title in such swashbuckling fashion. We've basically lost all of that core. And what you've got left is internal promotions, a man and his wife and the rest of the board members. That, that's all you've really got left. So who's there in that room to be a challenging voice is my question. Who's there to say, no, I don't like this about that player? I think Josh Sargent's goal record is appalling for a guy that's meant to be scoring goals for you in the Premier League. Watford aside, obviously. Um, <clears throat> so that's that, that's my question here. Like, what has happened in terms of... Because the, it seems to me that there's too much of... It, it's almost like Weber's dominion has, has now become so all-encompassing that he's got people that have always been answering to him, now being the people that are meant to be challenging him in the room. So that's where I think something might have gone wrong in the recruitment process because it can't just be a guy that has like pulled so many sort of um, diamonds from the rough, if you like, or whatever cliche you want to use, has now just not got an eye for a player at all. But it just goes to show that that is a process that happens by committee. And what has happened is Norwich City have lost so many talented members of that committee and have not replaced them well enough. So that's maybe where the recruitment's been poorest is in the recruitment department. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that, Stu. But what I would also say is our recruitment with that team for nineteen twenty was also shocking as well for the last Premier League season yeah. uh, with Dermich and Amadou, yeah. etc. We had less money then, a um, lot less True. to play with. But I would say that um, the likes of Kieran Scott were under a lot of pressure if they'd stayed on to deliver for this Premier League season as well. And if Barra go up, uh, he'll be under a lot of pressure there. It's just it's two poor seasons of recruitment in the Premier League, and two excellent seasons of recruitment in the Championship. It's the spend this time that's so galling, though, isn't it? Because Norwich City actually spent money. And, and 14th highest in Europe, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was 11th yeah. actually, but I'll go with your number. But I mean, that's shocking to, to have such a poor return on that kind of spend. Is I mean, it's it's a radical indictment. But all funded by lo- by losing their best player. So I, I will always come back to that when people talk and about it. And also far smaller wages than any other Premier League club as well. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of messages. I don't know if you've seen any as well, Steve, but Andrew Tickner here. Uh, we let Varka down so badly twice. Uh, not sure which. Um, Was that in recruitment, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Um, what was the second one? Can Andrew let us know what the second one the was? Two, the two windows going into the Premier oh, League. Oh, okay, maybe. fair dues. And then the third time for the sacking, for the hat. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Harry he- Harry here has been in touch, uh, but Sernson is a holding midfielder. I, I mean, I don't, who's that? That, that to <laughs> me, is one of the massive mysteries of this season. Where has he been? We were winning games when he was playing and he just never gets used. I find it utterly... Maybe he looks so hopeless in training, but um, I don't understand why he doesn't get a look in at all. Particularly as you 
playing behind players that are, are performing awfully and aren't going to be here next season. Well, I mean, I, I'm guessing Sam Byron will play in central midfield before Sam, <laughs> in the same way he's played at centre-back before actual centre-back. So, um, uh, so there's a couple there. I'll, I will keep looking through um, as we as we go as we go on. Um, and there's lots asking uh, things further forward. So um, we might maybe be able to get to those um, when we start looking further forward ourselves. A couple of mentions about Josip Drumic, of course, or Dr. Mike. Uh, he is he is out of uh, contract in the summer, I think. So I uh, don't think he's going to be uh, around. <laughs> Just um, okay, well, um, with all that said and done for now, I reckon we should probably move on um, to this. Yes, it's pick that one out where the podders each get a short window to bring up an issue they are struggling to let go, short of the ones we've <laughs> already discussed. Um, if they lose themselves for more than 30 seconds, uh, the buzzer sounds perfect, seamless, seamless after 10 months. Uh, and it's time to let it go, maybe. Um, who'd like to go first? Hodgie, do you want to have a go? It's a thumbs up. <laughs> Does it need to be football related? Uh, well, if we could avoid politics, I would... And the I would daily push, record. Yeah, okay. maybe anything defamatory. Um, yeah. I mean, okay. Okay, so, so, right, so, I'm ready. Regretting asking Stu to go first and Steve's rubbing his hands. You um, ready? Yes. Uh, yeah, go for when, go go for it, he says. Right. So, right, this is pronounced iron <laughs> brew. Right, not iron brew. Because any English people I speak to are like, are you drinking some iron brew? No, it's no iron brew. It's iron brew. The accentuation is on the brew. No, it's like, so if you're in French class, right, and there's an accent on the iron, you'd say iron brew, right? Or if the accent was in the brew, you'd say iron brew. Right, so it's iron brew. Not iron brew, but iron brew. Is it? Is it a difference between Michael Bailey and Michael Bailey? Exactly. <laughs> Iron Brew. The same thing. What's Les, Les Malou? Les. How would you pronounce well, that? And by the way, people say, people, that's another one. People say Les Malou. It's Les Malou. It's definitely it's Les. Les. Definitely Les Malou. But it's also, what is, it, what is it, Michael? Is it Iron Brew or? I don't, you, you, all I heard you say is it's not Iron Brew, it's Iron Brew. <laughs> No, it's iron brew. Not iron brew. Not iron brew. Not like an iron bridge or an iron pot. It's iron brew. But is it, is it Alex? It's on the brew, brewing it up. <laughs> is it Alex Neil or Alec Neil? Alec. Yeah, we all know that one. Mm. We're, we're definitely tackling the big issues of, uh, of relegation on this pod. So we can never not be accused of that, I think. Thanks, G. <laughs> You're just you. glad I didn't see anything controversial, weren't you? No, yeah, to be honest. Um, uh, yep. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, um, Dan, do you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Yes. <laughs> come on. Come on. This isn't like one nil down with 80 minutes to go. Let's show some fight. Jeez. I did, uh, can I, should I go now? Yeah, go for it. I, I, I saw some, there's momentum building for some sort of fan protests against the board yeah. on Sunday, which, you know, A, there's much better things to be doing on the Sunday than carrying around banners and flags and shouting at uh, oxygenarians. Uh, but people, and I, I get the anger and I get the fact that we've had a terrible season and our recruitment was poor and there are issues at the club, but Maybe just pro how about protesting against the Premier League instead? Because it's them that has created the monster. It is the Premier League that has made us 
uh, a yo-yo club. It's not the lack of investment, although, you know, more investment would be nice. It's like kicking an Amazon delivery driver in the nuts instead of Jeff Bezos <laughs> because of Amazon's, Amazon's lack of tax spend. You're protesting Absolutely against the right. wrong people. That last analogy was perfect. I d- Jeff joined... Bezos or Jeff Bezos? I had a little I panic at the end. I don't think I've Bezos. Is it Bezos? Okay. Never mind that. It's Jeff. <laughs> anyway, um... <laughs> the, run, the world is run by Elon and Jeff. Uh, where, where did it all go? No wonder no Dan, I would be with you, but Brentford have stayed up, albeit they're two 0 down. I think uh, at Manchester United, but yeah, well, they kept their best player, didn't they? Exactly. Well, yeah. that's nothing to do with the Premier League, is and it? And also, they sounds like they they offered more money to Christian Eriksen when we were in for him as well. Or we're sniffing yes, around. Yeah, that is that is a line. They do still have more money than us, Brentford. But you're right. I mean, there's a there's a obviously the we, can do better. we can do better on the pitch. We a bit more investment may see us become a Brighton, who are you know spent sixty million quid to finish fourteenth, um, are in, in debt. A little bit more money could get us to that. But really, what's actually stopping us and other clubs, i.e., Watford and Fulham, is the behemoths of the likes of Liverpool, Man United, and Man City. Yeah, it's that's horrible. what's really like, stopping us establishing ourselves. Horrible, horrible league is. I mean, football's dead because football's just so top heavy now. It's like global capitalism. It is now so top heavy now, this that is, the rest of the world is eating itself. This is what it, we were trying to stay away from on the rant. It, 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 it is interesting, though, isn't it? The Liverpool, the Liverpool, Manchester City being able to win games at will, you know, ten games in a row, is is kind of being put forward as some kind of oh, we're so lucky that they, we're. It's like. No, that's that's not what football is. You don't no. want teams being what, dominant in that way. And the same, we don't want the teams like Norwich and Watford coming up and getting twenty-one points. It's it's not healthy. Well, it's like it Bayern Munich winning the Bundesliga ten years, ten seasons in a row now. Yeah, it's it's um, I, but yeah, there was something interesting from a Leeds fan um, that I read. It might have been one of the comments on on one of the pieces, but uh, um, and they said, "Look, we we finished ninth, which I, I take it was right last season." And that's probably it, really. That's as far as we're going to go because you can't Absolutely. really compete with the teams above them, really. And and so, and you're like, what? Yeah, what do you aim for here? Um, so yeah, anyway. Sorry. Well, the thing is, right? Like Norwich City's aspiration is to be obviously they're in a fight this year, but look, Burnley, like mid-table mediocrity, have fun. Like, what's the point? What is the point in that? That's your carrot, right? And then or or this, right? Groundhog Day, a pish fit bit every week. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, sorry, were you going to say something, Steve, or shall we? Uh, is it just time for your pick that one out? I'll pick that one out. I feel like, if, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> so, uh, when, when you're ready. Okay. I mean, this feels, I, I don't know, this feels like an odd pick that one out, really, um, all in all. But uh, yeah, I just thought that the Sam Byram centre half thing is weird. I know he played quite well on Saturday, but I do sort of feel like, I know we're doing the looking ahead thing next, so. Uh, we kind of have a few centre-halves, uh, so I don't really know where this experiment is going. Is this a long-term plan? Maybe it's just to see if we can play Sam Byram in every position this season and maybe no one will notice. But um, yeah, I don't I don't really get it when you've got other centre-halves that you could play there, albeit haven't done that well. Who will be here next season? Yeah, really, uh, that was really because I was in line with the back line in the first half and he was just noticeably dropping like, you know, too deep <laughs> and obviously trying to cover space i suppose but it was just, you know playing people on the side and things like that and it seemed like that was just wouldn't have expected it from a normal well-drilled center back in a in a back line but i do i do feel like 
Dean's seen Sam play there and feels like that's something that could be done going forwards, which... But um, it, like in a 46 game season, say. he's not surely he's not going to pick him like ahead of Omobamadeli next year. Well, though, see, that's the point, right? Omobamadeli's no. the next potential really good asset that we've got, right? And you've been playing Ben Gibson, which I know the Hanley Gibson partnership last year, but Gibson's been a mistake waiting to happen in far too many games this season. Omobamadeli's lack of game time this this season has been pretty criminal as well. That's just another thing that's been done wrong. He's been injured, well, to be fair. Mostly, yeah, mostly. He has been injured injury. a fair bit, but he's done more games than he has had. Like, I don't think anyone would dispute that. Um, <laughs> well, in terms of things we are not going to talk about, uh, we've already had the links with uh, Milot Rashica. Um Apparently, he's not going to be at Norwich next year. I think that's what some Kosovan website has said. Oh, it means... That's that's where it happened. Take it with a pinch of salt. But it's mm. interesting that that's popped up um, already. Um, uh, Todd Cantwell uh, does sound... Oh, sorry. Man United are only 1-0 up against Brentford. There you go. Might change. Um, does sound like Todd Cantwell won't be uh, being signed by Bournemouth, given the way things are happening and the noises there. Um, I mean, we, we've spoken a lot about the two you know, best players that Norwich did lose last year, but Todd was clearly incredibly influential in that second half of last season. We haven't even mentioned that, have we? And actually, that that is something that was a massive hindrance that was nothing to do really with the recruitment and the board and how, you know, when we were at the start of the season, sorry, this is a slightly rambling point, but we were talking about we cannot lose Todd. We cannot lose him. We need, you know, £40 million. Would we even take that? And it, that was, it's just gone horribly wrong. Yes, horribly. we would take that and we'd run to the bank. Oh yes, like even before, like all of this transpired, Todd Campbell was never a forty million pound player. Well, it's um, it's going to be a very interesting season uh, in situation come pre-season with that one. Um, and I think that was it. Uh, yeah, I just just want to mention Fulham. Um, congratulations to them losing more games than Norwich this season, but scoring like seven thousand goals. Um, <laughs> it will be fascinating what they look like next year. Maybe they can do something that Norwich haven't been able to. We will see. Um, I think that is everything. Which uh, I'm going to skip through the halftime sting, and instead we're going to bring it straight on to centerfold. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this is going to be basically the stop-off point for what happens next. Um, I feel like we're going to be able to talk about this for a long time coming up, so it doesn't have to be definitive or even too deep. We can just have a quick chat for five minutes about whatever you want um, to be <laughs> to be next. Uh, obviously, it's the element we've probably had most uh, most questions on. Um, but uh, as Nick Fribbin says, uh, Sernson can also play centre half. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's another the comment above that suggests maybe Norwich should just join the Scottish Premier League. That's no better, mate. Don't worry, that's not a good idea, Paul. No, we want to be playing uh, up there every week. Um, maybe so, maybe yeah. win some games. Well, they were, yeah, maybe. Um, well, just like maybe, next season. maybe not oh. the way the squad's been playing this season. St. Mirren three, Norwich two, whatever. <laughs> At least we see some goals. Um, yeah, well, what do what 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 do Norwich? What's the one thing Norwich need to do from here? Anyone? What 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 is it? Because like, buy a, like, buy a holding need... midfielder. Buy a holding midfielder. <laughs> okay, so one, good... just buy one, a good one. Buy a good holding midfielder. Okay, that's a good starting point. Just <laughs> one, because they're, they're, they're going to be short of midfielders. Can I wind this guy up? Harrison Reed. Yeah. Can I wind this guy up? You can. 
Cultural <laughs> reset. Cultural <laughs> reset. Well, like I'd be that. very happy with that because it means we're winning games. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well said. I mean, the, the midfield is an interesting point because it does sound like Lucas Rook will be leaving. Um, Billy Gilmore is obviously only on loan. Um, so that basically leaves Kenny McLean and... That went really yeah, badly wrong, terms of... that Billy Gilmore loan, did it? No, like... Oh, I, I, was, yeah. I called for him to be given time earlier in the season, but it's just no happened. Like, it's just the wrong signing, wrong club, for, wrong move for him, wrong move for Norwich. Like, I mean, do you know what? Here's a fun game. Let's get through the signings and rate them out of 10. I bet you there's no more than a couple <laughs> would muster even That's, five. Yeah, we, we could all just give them three and be I was done with say, it should now. just give three. Yes, um, that seems like a very, very high grade. I think 1.8 <laughs> is probably around the mean. Out of 100. <laughs> um, uh, with Billy, yeah, I, I, it'll be interesting where Billy ends up next season. And I'd... I actually thought he was one of the better players in the yellow shirt on Saturday, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. And, and um, um, Norm, Norman was uh, terrible. Like, and, and actually, sorry, I know we're, I know we're supposed to be moving on. Um, has, has <laughs> we can't of, move on, Steve. We can't <laughs> move <laughs> forward. But, but has, has got away with some really bad performances in the last few weeks because the attention has been more on Gilmore and McLean. But he's, um, he's been a bit Emperor's New Clothes, unfortunately. In terms of what we should do for, ne- uh, for next season, um, yes. I think I think some creativity desperately needed. Um, Linus Norton at 825 said, how on earth do we sort this squad for next season? We have a sea of average. Sinani, Martin, Hernandez, Pojeta, Hugill, not to mention Sergeant Jollis, Dowell and Rashica, all unproven. It's a fair point. We have a lot of creative players in the squad, none of whom, well, only one or two of whom have really played well in a Norwich shirt before. I think we desperately need some new blood in that area. I saw us linked with, um, and there may be nothing in this, Callum O'Hare from Coventry, I think. To be honest, that's I, I wouldn't mind us going back to kind of, you know, picking up players from that sort of level if we can afford to um, and and signing players who have played in the championship will be hungry to get promoted. Um, I, I, I sort of feel like if we're moving away from the model, then maybe we should start going more down that route again, <laughs> as backward as it sounds, and and stop with the kind of unproven players from um, from abroad. It's all sounding, sounding a little bit uh, Allardyce, but um, <laughs> hopefully you understand what I'm trying to say. But there's a fair point there that that is... The, the signing players from Europe now becomes incredibly tricky because mm. of Brexit. Mm-hmm. They, as Norwich are no longer a Premier League club, they won't be able to afford players who would probably get the points so they could sign anyway. And that was kind of the thing I remember writing a lot about two years ago is that, that Brexit for Norwich in the Championship is a bit of a disaster because the way they were even promoted two to three years ago without parachute payments doesn't exist anymore. They couldn't do it. They couldn't even bring in Daniel Farker, I don't think, as a head coach because they just isn't that... Well, I don't think there is. I'm sure there's probably way, ways around things, maybe, but it certainly makes life a little bit more tricky. Um, okay, you so we've got think a few it makes more sense people. though to to try and provide a platform within which some of these talents, who the vast majority of those should at least be Championship level, can perform. Because I think you've got loads of players there that, for whatever reason or another, just haven't been doing it for Norwich City Premier League level. But I'm not necessarily convinced that they're just going to walk into the championship and start like playing well because they're that used to losing. It was really interesting how quickly they turned from the sort of post-project restart thing from a losing team to a winning team again. I find it really, really hard to see that happening for a second time because I thought that was... I thought, I thought part of that was mitigated by the fact it was the project restart. It was a short spell through which Norwich were pretty abject, but 
it was like everyone accepted there was mitigating circumstances, all of the rest there. Whereas this time it's been a whole season of just misery, right? So turning that round to a kind of collective winning mindset again with the entire same group seems really hard. But at the same time, on the other hand, you, you think you've got players that are of the requisite quality. I think if you're talking about things we should do, Michael, I think we should try and move on a lot of the kind of deadwood to be honest, no harm to them. O'Neill Hernandez, lovely guy, legend, could definitely do a job at championship level. But in terms of the future of the club, is he the answer? Don't think so. Jordan Hugo, um, Ben Gibson, I would put in this bracket, good championship player. Do I necessarily want him next season? I don't know, because I reckon he'll be on a fairly decent wage pack. I'd try and move the Anyone of age and wage, try and move on from them, move towards the youth. But the more the more you have a youthful team in the championship, like uh, as a as a general rule, the the trickier promotion would be. I would imagine you've got to kind of balance it, I suppose. But I think you've got a few experienced heads. I'd keep the likes of Hanley and stuff like that. There's a few sort of linchpins in there that I would keep. I'd probably keep Kenny McLean. You're going to think that's a Caledonian thing. It's not. But experienced <laughs> kind of dressing yeah. room, definitely not Billy Gilmore. Sadly, I wish he'd done better than he has, but not. Ironically, he'd be probably an excellent player in the championship. He'd run mm-hmm. that division. But anyway, carry on. <laughs> I bet it's not the challenge Billy needs. But um, I, I, I think I think it's about keeping the right experienced people. But I think as a general rule, I'd try and move away from some of the more experienced players that have shown that they're not going to be Premier League players. I think not all I of mean, them, but get rid of some. I mean, Kenny's very much in that bracket, isn't he? Kenny's very much in that bracket, Dan. You can and who else, I mean, who else is there? Like Pookie, obviously, he's staying and we need him. I think there are obviously holes in that squad and midfield certainly needs a massive rebuild. But I think the, dis- the distance, between, distance between Premier League and Championship is growing and growing as we've seen by the increasing number of yo-yo clubs in it. So it's still a good squad for the Championship. I mean, obviously, there's some proof. We don't know whether Josh Sargent will be able to kick a ball or have a first touch in the Championship. We don't know if Chollis will be able to... Uh, do the same in the championship as well. So there are definitely unknowns, but that back line is a good championship back line. We've got, one of the, we've got one of the best strikers in the championship, if not the best one next season, still in Timmy Puki. We've got Adam Ida, um, who under Smith looked revitalized entirely. Uh, and Kieran Dow, we've got you know a, a really good playmaker who was really influential at the end of um, the last championship campaign as well. There are definitely holes, the midfield in particular, but that should be a squad under a good manager that will challenge again for automatic promotion. But as Hodgie says, it's getting the mindset changed from a losing team to a winning team as quickly as possible. It's it's fascinating because Norwich obviously made two pretty bad starts in their last two championship campaigns um, over sort of the first five or six games. So whether there'll be the patient around the patience around the place for that, if that happens next mm. season will be interesting. And, and likewise, they did have the whole season without anyone there when they were one, one at home to Wickham. I don't know how tense that becomes <laughs> um, rather than just Mario. And we did. Yeah. And Ollie Skip and Emmy Buendia were the two best yeah. players in the league. Just Michael, just a couple of quick things. Um, first of all, people saying in the comments uh, that we're not mentioning yeah, Lungi Sorensen. We are, we are. Don't worry. We know, we know. He's here. We ha- yeah, I don't know if people have been here from the side. And the other thing, um, just to mention on the age point, um, the average age of the squad has been creeping up. Um, mm. or, so, rather, sorry, rather than the squad, the first team to close to twenty nine. In fact, it's it's the first time it's been over twenty eight since um, the last game before Daniel Farker in the last few matches. So 
Um, whereas before, when we went down, our average starting lineups were around 26, 27. Now they're more like 28, 29. So that is a sign. And obviously, part of that is down to having the same players and then being two years older. Um, but the squad generally does seem to um, be a bit ageing. Well, likewise, I wrote a lot of pieces two years ago about the crown jewels and what was going to happen to them. Um, if you were, if I was to write a piece on crown jewels now, I don't, I don't know if I have anyone to really <laughs> mention. Uh, like, well, he's <laughs> one jewel. So, I mean, uh, as far as I understand it, Norwich is still going to need to sell if they're going to need to fund a, a rebuild of the squad or to bring in some players. So, you know, I don't think you get much money for Todd Cantwell as things stand at the moment. And, you know, does any, is anyone ringing up the phone for more than 15 million quid um, offers for, for Max Aarons? I, I don't Go know if they do. So, you know, that's a, that's not good. That's a regression from well, where everything that, was. That, that, that's the key thing. So, look, valuation, right? Valuation of the squad heading into 1920, you were looking at it and you were thinking a half-decent half-season and Amy Buendia alone's 50 million quid. You know what I mean? You sell the collective Norwich City squad right now, I don't know if you get that. So, <laughs> look, that's the... That's the thing. That we've moved so far away. Andrew Omobamadeli could be another one that I think could be worth like a considerable amount of money. I think he's a really, really talented player. Adamida, maybe. Um, any of the rest of them, I think you've still got to say there's a lot to be proven for them even to be in the conversation yet. Absolutely. Um, I tell okay. you who, I, who I'm on. looking forward to in the Premier, in the Championship is uh, Lays Malou. I think he'll... I mean, whether it, maybe his legs are too spidery and maybe will just be broken uh, early <laughs> on. But he's also got the ability, I think, to be a bit of a Mario in the championship. I think kind That's of that kind of nonchalant kind of spraying the ball around, good, yeah. uh, good final third passes, that kind of stuff, and hopefully become a bit of a cult hero. Either that, that or great. his legs will just snap with the first time they have to go up to Rotherham or to Preston. <laughs> I just, I just wonder if the the, the Norwich may have looked one way um, as a Premier League club when he left Nice and it might look a little bit different as a championship club <laughs> when he was, you know, previously in A bit less Nice. Um, <laughs> so, yes, indeed. Um, we'll see. That will be an interesting one. And I, I I would say there's actually a discussion to be had over Tim Quill's future just in terms of the World Cup coming up. And um, I would love, obviously, for him to be able to ride that out. But it has kind of been in the back of my mind that Angus Gunn coming in would have was always going to make this summer a little bit interesting. We'll see. I, I hope it doesn't happen, but, you know, depends what offers come along as always, doesn't it? We've quite a few um, agents on their phones now. Uh, let me work on it. Let me work on it. Um, so we shall see. Um, as Steve, when you mentioned that message and you said someone we hadn't mentioned, I thought it was going to be on, uh, it was going to be Stuart Webber because we've had obviously lots of questions on, on uh, Stuart Webber. Um, do we, are we all expecting him to still be in charge of the recruitment over the summer and Norwich's sporting director next season? Mm, if I had to guess, I'd say no, but I don't have any intel there at all. It's just a, a hunch. That's interesting though. Dan? Depend, depends how bored he is. If he's bored, he'll, he'll be off. If he's not bored yet, he'll stay. Okay. Stu? Start the next season, did you say sorry? Yeah. Ah, he'll still be here. There you go. Well, we shall see. What do you um, think, Michael? Mm. Um, I think he will be, but I think that it's hang, it's a, uh, it's you know uh, not 
probably completely decided. I think it's sort of probably something that's being toyed with <laughs> in terms of the best way forward. But I would be surprised if he wasn't looking after the summer. I would also say, whilst I look at Norwich and I fear, I'm really torn. I'm really torn at the moment. I, th- I can see, I can see West Brom mid-table <laughs> repeating here. Definitely, I can see it just not happening this time around in the Championship, um, regardless of what happens. But I do think there is far more chance of that not happening if Stuart Weber is running the show than if he wasn't because I don't trust anyone that would be left behind to then sort out that quickly, if I'm honest. So um, that's how I see it. Whether that's a good position for Norwich to be in. What, do you, what are you saying about Neil Adams, Michael? <laughs> well, he's never the done the job before. <laughs> um, I wasn't particularly picking up on anyone individually, um, but I don't necessarily believe the best thing would just be to give Neil the job and hope you know, do that. But what do I know? Nothing. Didn't work with the with the manager's job, did it? So. <laughs> Ow, deep blow. Um, it, didn't. it didn't, and also it didn't. Uh, right. Um, I reckon we move on because uh, we're doing well. Um, let's crack on. Finally, then, for a bit of motty. This is almost fantasy football. Uh, yeah, Norwich has still got four games left. I think I've said that a couple of times. Oh, joy. Um, uh, the first one is West Ham at home, which, of course, uh, Mikhail Antonio scored four goals in uh, that fixture two years ago. Um, <laughs> also, when Norwich... I think that might have been the game Norwich were confirmed as well. relegated, wasn't yeah. it? I, they did very much blur into each other. I remember losing home to Brighton, and that was like effectively relegation. And then West Ham was... Then there was West Ham, and then there was also Burnley when Norwich went out to nine men. So we could get anything. And obviously, people could be bringing banners. Uh, there are people talking about uh, protests. I have no idea if that's going to be two people or 20 people or 200 people or 2,000 people or 20,000 people. We'll see what it looks like on Sunday. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, West Ham, that's exciting. Uh, they've, they've got their Europa, Europa League semi final second leg. Good luck league. to them. So, um, and I, Eintracht, is it Eintracht Frankfurt they're playing? Yes. Um, looked a yeah. far better side than them at the London Stadium, which I thought was quite amusing. Um, Started yeah, after, during that game. I started um, googling their manager just to see if he might want to fancy coming to Norwich <laughs> at any point. But from the Europa League, they played some decent football, didn't they? You think really yeah. nice football? Um, yeah. Anything? I'm going to have time? to depart. By the way, oh, that's fine, Stu. Yes, you do need to. I am. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, but I am. I'm <laughs> I'll let you go. Team. Stu's got a proper job to do tonight. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll try. Thank you for having me on, everyone. Um, I really appreciate it. It's been nice. Um, thank you for some of the nice comments and stuff as well. <laughs> uh, read Benjamin David Skelton's comment. It's a belter. Cheerio, troops. Okay. Bye. Bye, Bye Sue. There we go. Um, I'll read that before I uh, publish it. <laughs> um, anything anyone wants to say about the... Uh... Well... Uh, only that if if um, the Irons brew up a good performance at Carry Road on Sunday, how would we be pronouncing that? <laughs> you really should have brought that in a minute ago, shouldn't you? I'm really annoyed yes. that he left. I've been waiting to use that for oh, about half an hour and he just, he just left. Um, it, 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 it may be nice to finish on more points than last season, uh, two seasons ago, as we're yeah. on the same at the moment. Are we? Are we not yeah, got 22? That's, no, we're on, that's exactly where I'm at. I'm thinking, are we going to beat last season? And um, I think this might be as good a chance as we'll get, to be honest, against a team who will have played a European semi-final on Thursday, although they are a very good side. Um, but 
Leicester away, Wolves away, Spurs at home. I'm not oh, seeing a lot of points out of those three. So um, that's if if there's anything of interest at all in these last four games, it's uh, it's that. So if they, if they draw or win, it'll be pointless. It'll be useless after that because uh, <laughs> nothing else. To, I suppose. I suppose the other thing is somehow we may still not finish bottom this season if we uh, pick up more points. Well, I was, go- I was going to... I changed my uh, my rant right at the last second, actually, because I was going to talk about Watford, who being one point above us and spent considerably more money, sacked their manager twice, and yet somehow seemed to not fall into the bracket of being the Premier League's most embarrassing club ever, which is how <laughs> the national media seem to see Norwich City. They're one point above us, and they're yo-yoing as well. Well, how do they avoid the kind of stuff that we get aimed at us? I suppose because we've just been worse so far both seasons. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a given. Like, <laughs> considerably um, two years ago. Um, but yeah, that would be something. And I I, st- I, I, st- I mean, I don't know what's gone on at Burnley, but I still think there's an argument that maybe Norwich haven't been... Oh, I don't know, though, because then every stat, Norwich are the worst team in the division in pretty much every stat you look at. So... I should probably caveat that. It's just having seen them beat Watford and having seen them beat Burnley. We haven't been beaten by Burnley this year. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think yeah. I think the one thing that's made me think, um, I you know, I'm glad to be a Norwich City fan rather than that Premier League club this season uh, is th- that Watford have lost is it 11 home games in a row? 11 yeah, record. Premier League record. Games. That is mad. Like yeah, all the terrible things we've done. At least we've never done that. Not yet. Not yet. Um, they only have 19, what, 19 home games all season? 19, one of them was against 11. Well, they lost. Yes. 3-0. Norwich haven't won a game away from Didn't home it? in the Premier League by three or more goals since 1994. The, Didn't the game before that 11-match streak started? Didn't they beat Man United 4-1? They did. Yeah, Solskjaer's <laughs> last game, wasn't it? And they've got, I think, Everton to come before the end of the season who are, I think, uh, who are hopeless away from home. So um, that'll be interesting to see who's worse. Out of well, I was like, when when they got relegated, didn't their bad, really bad form then towards the end of the season start after they beat Liverpool? And <laughs> they were like the first yeah. team to beat Liverpool, weren't they? Uh, oh, well, um, we'll have to see who their new manager is going forwards, obviously. Likewise, Burnley, because I don't know who's going to come down with Norwich at the moment. Maybe it will be Leeds, after all we'd said over the course of the year. That, that they're dragged into it i think we're kind of emphasizing how interested we are in the game on sunday by what <laughs> by how much we're talking about it um uh, do we do we think there'll be a what what are we expecting from the atmosphere just finally will it be horrible will will it be yeah. empty is the one i'm thinking it's sunday lunchtime it's on the telly will what will the attendance be it's on the telly it's, no, it's on the telly? i think oh, they've just moved it for four o'clock I, is it four o'clock oh, okay fair enough yeah yeah I, I think it's more likely to be half empty than it is to be particularly um, hostile. Um, I think there'll be a few people with some um, sheets of A4 sellotape together. Um, that'll probably be about it. Sorry if anybody listening has got that planned, but I, I don't see a massive <laughs> protest, if I'm honest. And as, um, as Dan's already said, there, there shouldn't really be one, to be honest. I don't know what it would achieve. Yeah, pretty symbolic, really. <laughs> Just, just out, of no, out of nowhere, Michael, I just remember yes. a line in your piece about um, us not having the money to spend because in January because of the BK8 uh, thing that happened, which I assume was obviously a bit of a club line maybe. And it just seems like we'd probably have had a lot more money to spend in January if we hadn't wasted it on Josh Sargent and 
Cholis. Um, <laughs> because I know like Stuart Weber and the club are quite keen to pedal that line that BK stopped us having a two, two million quid or something like that or wow. 1.5 million extra to spend when really just don't yeah. buy Josh Sargent for 10 million pounds. I mean, um, yes, you're right. Um, it, it was one of the lines in there that probably, yeah, that, that sat there, but also kind of um, contradicted. It just intrigued me because it just reminded me of, you know, what, what the line the club tried to spin is that we would have bought better in if yeah. we'd somehow kept BK8 and it was the fans' fault that we got rid of them. When really, I, what, one, one or two million quid difference? 1.5 to two, two million quid difference? Yeah, um, I would, what I would say on that is, um, uh, I spoke to a lot of people for the piece. People outside the club said it to me as well. So I was a bit like, oh, okay. Um, and yeah, you could be talking about a loan signing, I suppose, mm. um, rather than a permanent signing. So that's kind of why it went in. But uh, likewise with the Christian Eriksen stuff, I mean, <laughs> I could have rung up Christian Eriksen and said, do you want to do do come to Norwich? <laughs> oh, really? Oh, okay, no. Um, so, <laughs> want to come on the On The Board podcast? Yeah, I should think, yeah, I'll see that. By the so, side yeah. on a Wednesday night, up at goals. <laughs> It'd be quite um, handy. And, and I suppose also, um, maybe don't make BK8 the sponsors in the first place. That that would have that would have well, that would helped, also help, wouldn't you it? Know? Did rather set the tone, didn't it? <laughs> um, I haven't eaten a hot dog since. Uh, right, I think in that, let's um, let's end this charade, shall we? Um, or is it charade? There have been some excellent questions tonight, and I don't think we've had the chance to go through no. all of them, really. But um, I think Is there a couple you want to throw out there. Well, I mean, just just a who? Well, uh, this is this is just more of a question for us. But who would the lad nine twenty five Jingus? Who would the lads like to be the third club to go down with us? Be Burnley, Leeds, or Everton? Uh, Burnley, I think, for the reasons of financial issues still managerless in the event of relegation. That's probably why. I think Everton, although they've got those, are still a very big club and they do tend to bounce back. I don't know, Leeds. Yeah, I just don't like Leeds. <laughs> I love Leeds, really. I'd never say that. It feels like Burnley probably have already got a good championship squad um, true, to come straight true. back up. Leeds, it's always quite fun to go to Ellen Road if you're winning, um, so I wouldn't mind them coming down. And Everton, just for the Everton fans' sake, to give them something to shout about, something to actually a bit of joy, a bit of like they must. This is the most they must feel alive in about fifteen years because yeah. they've just been hovering around eighth to fourteenth for the last fifteen years. Nothing to play for. Finally, they have a relegation battle, and if they get relegated, they'll probably have a promotion uh, campaign as well. So such empathy, Dan, to be thinking of the Everton fans. Yeah, like that. but really, I think uh, Leeds though, because well, my dad's a fan, and going to Ellen Road's one of the best away days. <clears throat> well fair enough good stuff thanks Jingus for that one um, thanks Steve, for the question what do you think oh yeah Steve oh, well I think I answered this one last week but that was before Leeds were in the picture or when they weren't so much I think Burnley would be better for us just because I think they might have financial issues but um, Everton would be quite funny wouldn't it let's be honest <laughs> they'd run away with the league but I think just to, just for it happening would be would be Although, very interesting quite fun to see Frank Lampard uh not get into the top six with Everton as well. That's <laughs> true. Um, Hodgie did uh, did bring up the comment, didn't he? So I'll pop it up here. Benjamin David Skelton says all that. 
From top to bottom, oh dear, I can't read. From top to bottom in the club this year, we've been a shambles. Emmy went and we had to let him go. Campbell hasn't wanted to be with us for years. Okay. Uh, we signed no replacement for these guys. The recruitment has been nothing short of appalling and the stats read the same as last time we were in the Premier League. Something has to change, people. A clear out on players is needed and tactics by the gaffer need to implement a style that is clear and positive for the fans. So there we go. It's a good point on the tactics and style, isn't it? I think Dean Smith's been desperately trying to find one that might save us, whereas he'll have the summer now to actually implement something that he thinks will get the best out of the group we're left with. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Um, on that note, I think we're done, aren't we? That's it for On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that is already looking forward to seeing Paul Warren. Congratulations to Rotherham, by the way. How about that? Football's so predictable. People think it's like, you know. <laughs> uh, if you yet to do so, make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. Pod is free uh, for anyone on your usual podcast player. And we do stream the podcast live as well on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. So keep an eye out for those uh, on my social media channels. Probably the best way to find those. Ratings and reviews, wherever prompted, are always hugely appreciated. And if you want to get in uh, touch with any questions or topic proposals, please do sling me a direct message on Twitter, and uh, at some point we'll <laughs> go through them. Um, a big thank you to our guests tonight. Thank you so much to Hodgie, who has, of course, uh, well, he downed his bottle of Iron Brew. Iron Brew. I, I still don't know how I'm supposed to pronounce it. Iron Brew. Iron Brew. Um, and uh, it was a pleasure to have Stu on. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Michael. Steve, pleasure. The pleasure's all mine. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> Indeed. Even relegation pleasure. Uh, we'll be back next week for a fresh bout of Canaries capers, um, maybe calamity capers, in another edition of On the Ball. Then oh, this is the bit I re- I didn't write. I didn't rewrite this from last week, did I? In another edition of the On the Ball Norwich City podcast. Until then, never mind the danger. And we're clear for a wit's end. Um, welcome, everyone out there, um, to uh, to wit's end. Uh, I can't, I, I'm not even, it's, yeah, had enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long weekend. Your, your um, intros have not been on their usual sparkling no, form this week, Michael. No. I, I well, I've enjoyed this. Un- unprofessional, <laughs> really, isn't it? It's just like it doesn't mean I didn't anything. Say that. I, I did. That. I did. Ninety percent effort. That's what we're getting. <laughs> no comment. Sorry. Um, yeah, uh, on the ball podcast number forty-two. It's the first time we did wits end. Should we do wits end next season? It's a question. You know, it's a bit like it's a bit like Stuart Webber's future. Will this carry on? Well, maybe, maybe the people should decide. And if put no one there. says anything, then that <laughs> might be our answer right there. To be honest. Well, they haven't yet. And I did say that a couple of weeks ago. Um, we could just, you know, like when, you know, Delia and Michael get their offer for their shares from the person who's going to take, you know, the club over. Um, they put it to a vote of supporters, won't they? So maybe we should do that. Put it to a vote of all of the Twitterkers. Um one bit of, uh, you can e- email this part of the pod, by the way, twitterkers at iCloud.com. That's Twitter, K-E-R-S at iCloud.com. Same for the hashtag, you can use that. 
Um, why are you two laughing? I don't know. I'll wait. I'll find out in a minute. Um, Nick, don't look at the comments, Michael. Okay, brilliant. Um, uh, we did mention last. Someone is very keen on wits end. Okay, <laughs> I'm not sure what we're going to have to do with wits end next season, but um, I don't think it's going to end well for any of us, judging by the comments. Okay, brilliant. Um, Nick Dye got back in touch because uh, he sent the uh, US Open Cup um, message with just the hashtags Twitterkers and Pull and Market. And I didn't know what that meant because I'm a bit dim. But we did actually explain it in the end, right? Um, uh, the US Open is the USA version of the FA Cup. And Nick is from Pull and Market and a coach living in California. Um, sadly, they did lose uh, in the fourth round to San Jose Earthquakes 5 0. But that's obviously. Uh, Darren Huckabee's old team, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but they, but the point here um, in his original tweet was that um, uh, Bay City's FC um, beat Monterey Bay FC with a late winner, or as they put, deep into the ninety, and um, and they Monterey Bay are managed by Frank Gallup. So effectively, that is Norwich City one Ipswich nil. So. <laughs> There we go. Yeah. Or Did maybe you see the little the, the Norwich City derby on in League One, not the derby, but the rivalry on the weekend with Rotherham and MK Dons both having Norwich-born managers going for second place. Oh yeah. Both teams won, but Rotherham Rotherham pipped MK Dons to second. Liam Manning, MK Dons, who sounds like a very exciting young up-and-coming bright manager who just happens to have been born in Norwich. Mm. He he was a coach at Ipswich, I think, as well, wasn't he? Yeah. And at West, he was at West Ham's under-23s coach, I think. Happy days. Mm. Um, I I had a quick question, which is it's slightly unfortunate that Hodgie's gone because... Um, is it about I want, It's not, thank God, but it is about Celtic because um, I noticed, which is um, Stu's second team for those who don't know him, or possibly his first, I, I can't keep up. Um, but John, John Terry was um, pictured... I, th- I think in the Celtic director's box with a Celtic scarf on <laughs> during the old firm derby, which would have absolutely enraged you. So it's a real shame that he's not here. Um, but I just wondered whether, is there anyone in football? I mean, obviously there's people outside of football. Is there anyone worse that you can think of to, that could turn up in the Norwich city director's box with a green and yellow scarf than, than John Terry. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think if there's anybody I would like to see less. Do we mean, do we mean football people or yeah, football people? They can people. no, because I think you know you could obviously pick. You know, there are people in the world who are worse. You know, <laughs> Kevin um, Muscat. That's <laughs> yeah. a good one. Yeah, right. yeah that's unless the... he was there as a you know to set him up <laughs> for people, <laughs> yeah. for the fans to get their revenge on him. I think those dealer out protests would uh, definitely go up a notch if Kevin Muscat was sat next to him. <laughs> 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 Um, Mike Ashley says DW that's a good show oh, 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 oh yeah sorry um, I just noticed yeah we've got lots of um, we do have lots, lots, lots of, of, uh, of comments that, yeah. 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 Um, oh yes now Paul yeah I think Paul Woodrow flagged this up earlier as well so um, yeah Mike Ashley there we are um, DW next year's shirt sponsor that's a good question uh, I don't know what because I think Lotus only signed a one year deal can't remember. I think he may or she may be referring to the comments <laughs> above that. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. It's yeah. a good gag, though. It's a good yeah, gag. You know what, DW? 10 points. You get 10 points for me for that. Uh, Paul Woodrow. It's not going to make any sense to anyone just listening on the podcast, is it? No, no. Best games. Yeah. So. Fun. 
There was a really good. Oh, wow, <laughs> Stephen Lynch just plugged them. Thanks, Steve. Brilliant. <laughs> um, uh, Paul think... Woodrow flows in. That was fine. Um, but uh, we we've done tooth puns in past Twitters, and he's thrown one in with Malky Decay. Nice, which is which is strong, yeah. much or, like his career as well. Or could you have um, milk, milk tooth Mackay? No, not quite. No, all right, you obviously yeah. couldn't say. So, sorry, I mentioned right. it. Michael Decay is probably better. Than, <laughs> uh, probably, I'm not really sure now. Um, yeah, there was a, there's a comment from Ted Moore at 9:30, which really sums up the whole existential crisis of being a Norwich fan at the moment. If you can find it, uh, Michael. Yes. Do we want do to we go, want up to go up again? <laughs> I, I, I mean, we can have a joke about this. I do think that is a a significant question everyone at the club has to answer because. It's been bruising, hasn't it? But the alternative is being a mid-table championship side, which is, is that is that even worse? Just drifting along, winning the occasional game against Preston again, losing the occasional game against Preston. Everyone <laughs> loves the championship, right? Which goes back to my rant, which I got called on the comments a Delia apologist for, um, <laughs> that, you know, why go up to the Premier League when you've got no chance of... Well, very little chance of survival. Mm. It's becoming, you know, in- increasingly futile. The same logic is though: why not go down to League One? Because you know, last time we did really well there. Yeah, new grounds as well. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, let's go. <laughs> I, I just want to feel again. I want to feel something <laughs> like the this year's been pointless. The year before we weren't allowed in the ground. It always felt like we we're probably going to go out. The year before yeah. that was pointless. So really, we haven't had a proper season. Since eighteen, I feel like we eighteen nineteen was so good that we've been made to pay for it. The next that's what I think. Years. Watching that Fulham win since seven 0 earlier just it, it cheered me up because it, I did feel something. It was kind of that muscle memory of eighteen nineteen season <laughs> yeah. when it felt so good, and the idea that we might be able to get some of that back next season. But I, I remember, I remember too. Oh, um, a year last season. I, it took about three or four games to look at West Brom and Fulham and go, they are both going down. I remember that so distinctly. And they both did comfortably. So um, it will be fascinating. What How many did it year. take this year with us? Though? Was it three or uh, four? Five, yeah. What, okay. what, what, what <laughs> the second half. It was all over from that point on, really. Um, and I, I adamant and I was angry and I said it as much. And so, yeah. Uh, or maybe even the Newcastle friendly. Because I tell you what, they were awful on that, but mm. they were Jengis thingies. Jengis uh, uh, comes back and says, uh, you don't want to go back up to the Premier League until you realise how bad mid-table championship is. Yeah. So so um, basically, none of it's good, because obviously we've already talked about the fact that if you go up then you'll and stay up, you'll just end up being a Burnley. So maybe we should just sack the whole thing off and uh, support someone else. Why can't we just keep winning the championship and not go up? Yeah, I could do. Oh, I think that happens in other sports. Just turn down promotion. No mm. thanks. You're right. Yeah, well, then we could do that. Um, Paul Woodrow does come up with a good, a good reason, saying it will annoy Talksport. I mean, it won't just annoy Talksport. It would if Norwich are promoted. This is again. There's a reason for promotion. It would annoy everyone. Could you imagine it? They'd, everyone would be like, "Oh God, not this one." <laughs> and they would like that this year. But can you imagine it next time? Oh yeah, they'd literally yeah. be. It would just be, oh my lord! Is this the third time for Fulham in a row? It is, isn't it? Yeah, they got two playoff finals. But in we're a still row. behind them. Yeah, um, although, and obviously, we can keep extending our our relegation record because we're on six at the moment, and West Brom <laughs> haven't gone back up to catch us. So yeah, we can we can really pull clear if we go back up and go Good back point. down again. 
And one more, Declan Cotter says, do you guys miss the Derby game given there won't be one next season? Shame we can't get the six easy points. That's why I don't miss the Derby because I'm I'm, I'm getting, I mean, not this season, obviously, uh, but I fear that they're on the the up and up um, and we might be meeting them again soon. Um, It feels like a ridiculously long time. Was it 14 years for them not to have beaten us? Um, I keep thinking there's, <laughs> there's a comeuppance due. But, um, I'd happily keep it like that, Steve. Me, yeah, yeah. I think 15 years, 16 years, keep it ticking yeah. over. We don't need to play them again, do we, really? No, when no. you think about it, it's no need. It's all right. No. Luton are our right. Completed it. Luton <laughs> or Cambridge, you know, yeah. they push on. Uh, right. Um, with all that done, I think we're done. I've even scrolled my script beyond. Uh, any other business, anyone? I think there is nothing left to talk about. See um, you. Uh, see you for the protest, Steve, on Sunday. Yep, yep. Bring I've, along uh, your banner. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, just heading off I, to the printer now. That, so. that is a good question. What would you put on your banner? Um, I think someone someone earlier on the comments said um, hashtag Delia Weber out. Which uh, so I think I'd probably go with that just because I, I don't know who Delia Weber is, but um, she needs to get out. <laughs> <laughs> okay um yeah come on dan what would you because yeah, you've always got to bear in mind you've got to make it sort of scan well you don't want to be writing it and then you get halfway through the word but you've only got you know just a maybe a, like a big angry sheet. red face put that on there just yeah, to sum up how, uh, actually, how angry the protesters are big angry face actually i think what i would put is um it's iron brew not iron <laughs> brew and, you know just so people would definitely understand I think I would uh, draw a Saudi Arabia flag and that would go down well. Um, <laughs> Newcastle fans annoyed as well. <laughs> Stephen Bird says, fuck forever. There we go. Um, Paul Woodrow says, great pod, guys. Thanks. Gonna, I'm actually going to post some praise. There we go. It has been like almost an hour and a half. And uh, Linus Norton says, yes, Dan. I don't know what, what it was. What was that too. about? It, all of it. Keeping Twitter going? Everything you've said. No, I don't think anyone said anything about Twitter. <laughs> But they wouldn't have had this, you know, brilliant 15 minutes, which is three times how long it should be. Um, we're done. Gentlemen, thank you so much for a lovely evening. Thank you for giving up your time on a bank holiday. I do really appreciate it. And I'm sure the watching masses do too. Uh, so thank you so much. I'll let you get back to whatever it is you're going to do now. And um, I'll say goodbye. And we'll all say bye on three, shall we? One, two, three. Bye. bye. There they go. And then I I always mute them. I haven't worked out. It doesn't matter. Um, Right. That is it. If you want to get in touch with uh, Twitterkers in future pods, then please do so. Hashtag Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S. Email us, Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S, at iCloud.com. But until next time, that's a wrap.